Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. You know, tears are beautiful. You don't just brush off their pain because where they are, you have to you have to learn how to meet people where they're at, not where you're at. Because when you're happy and you meet somebody who's in a dark place, you have a tendency to say, "No, you know, let's just go out. You forget about that. That's nothing." Maybe it's nothing for us, but to them it's something. You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself Podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, beautiful people. This is Sanaya, and I'm back with you on a brand new episode of Project Loving Myself, a podcast that inspires you to go inward and love all that you are while working towards being all that you can be. You are, in fact, a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. But sometimes we cannot see that about ourselves, especially when we are still on that journey of self-love and self-discovery. And so on this podcast, I hope to inspire you to remember how amazing and wonderful you truly are by learning from guests who have their own stories of self-development and personal growth to share. So joining us on our show today is someone who I believe has a lot of valuable insight to impart to us. She is a well-loved Filipina actress turned politician who is the current representative of the 4th District of Leyte. Lucy Torres Gomez is a bit of an enigma to me, someone who I would love to learn more about on a much deeper level, especially after reading so many of her social media posts, which I feel are very thought-provoking in nature. She epitomizes grace and beauty with an open and giving heart to match, making her a true inspiration to so many. So let's go ahead and welcome her on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Lucy. Thank you for having me, Sanaya. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Ever since I started uh, reading a lot of what you were writing on social media, it really made me feel like, wow, this person has a lot to say and I would love to know more. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm looking forward to where this goes. Okay, me, me too, me too. 
let's just make it free flowing. Just, you know, two mothers talking to women. Perfect. Now, I read that your dreams have always been very simple to be a yes. good wife and mother and to build a happy home for your family. How does it feel, though, to have accomplished so much more than that while still continuing to do more? I feel very blessed, Sunaya. And having said that, I, I don't take anything for granted. True, I had very small small and simple dreams for myself. And I think that comes from growing up also in a, in a very small place. And we were never taught, my parents never made us feel that our place wasn't big enough or that we would be happier in a bigger city, be in, in another school abroad, like where we were was enough. And uh, what we did with our lives, how happy we would be was what we made of it. So it was a very normal and, and, and happy childhood. And because it was very, very simple, maybe that's why my dreams were also very simple. I did not have really grand ambitions for myself. I wasn't one to have like a bucket list of things I must be at a certain stage in life. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I know some people who do that and they like doing that. But for me, it was really... I just patterned it after my mom. She was a, a homemaker. She was a wife, a wonderful wife and a wonderful, and a wonderful mother. And that's what I wanted for myself. But I do know now that life is really what happens to you while you're, while you're, while you're busy making other plans. And that you have to be open and fluid and move like water. I agree with you completely. But I also resonate with the idea of a simple life. I grew up in a small town in Japan, um, Kobe, and it was a very simple, wholesome, clean life. It was very safe. You know, I could walk anywhere at any time and it was safe. The people were very polite and loving and it was like a very healthy life. And uh, I ended up going to the U.S. Um, to study. And of course, that changed my perspective completely. But I do think the pandemic has brought us back, many of us back to a simple life. Yes. I know that, you know, not going to work and working from home has been an adjustment for a lot of us. But I think we've been able to be home, we're spending more time in the kitchen with the children, you know, like making our homes beautiful. And I know that you can relate to a lot of these things. And this yes. is something that I've discovered as well. Mm -hmm. um, during this time. And, you know, honestly, I have right now no desire to go back to that hustle and bustle and you know that everything being so fast-paced like I'm okay where I'm at I'm actually oh. enjoying it 2020 was really a reset I think um it was a shake-up for for everyone uh like the year holding us like this by our face and saying this is what's important go back to family, go back to basics, go back to everything that you learned when you were in elementary. I agree. And you know, since you mentioned 2020, I want to read something that I, um, I saw on your social media post. You said, um, this was during the pandemic, because is it just me or did 2020 feel like being confronted with all our interior storms? I would like to think of 2021 as a time to heal. Maybe not necessarily from wounds or pain, but also coming to terms with those recollections that may still be open-ended. 
Those are some really beautiful thoughts, Lucy. What was going on for you during that time? What were you talking about? Well, for decades, I think most of us have been have been bullied into a busy life. And as much as we complained about how busy or how crazy things were, I also realized that it was an escape. The busyness was an escape. Like so many feelings, so many things that need resolution, you just brush off as something that should be dealt with later on because there's this meeting to get to, there's this presentation to finish. And before you know it, it piles up. And all of a sudden, 2020 gave us so much time, so much time to just sit and be still. And when you sit and you're still, what do you do? You feel. You suddenly remember many things. You, there's a, there's a, a, a coming to surface of so many memories. And you really can't sift through the good ones from the bad ones. They all, they all come sometimes alternately, sometimes all in, in one go. And suddenly you're left with so much also to, to come to terms with and to... To deal with so I've come to realize that maybe it's a coping mechanism also I don't know what it's like for you Sanaya but I'll give you an example my husband is one of those warriors who can detach or, or compartmentalize parts of his life like he can have a really busy day or a really hard day at work and come home and be a wonderful father and a wonderful husband he doesn't bring home the the burden of the day me I'm more like tea I tend to steep in things and it can be a good thing when it's a happy thing because something that makes me happy now can make me very happy for so long a time. While something that bothers me, I cannot just, I cannot just um, switch off. So having said that, when I suddenly have all these feelings or, or recollections that I have to deal with, I've learned that there is power and there is wisdom in not labeling anything as good or bad. You don't say this is good or this is bad. It's very liberating. It's freedom from judgment, isn't it? No Lucy? judgment, yes. You, you, you look at it with eyes that don't judge it as bad or good. It just is. It's one more thing to get through until the day ends. And I've also realized that it's very important to, to try not to want to fix everything. So many times we see something that's wrong and you want to dip your hands into it and say, no, it should be this way or that. No, just, just let things be. Let, let things fall into place as they should. Because if you give it enough time, many things that you overthink or many things that you worry about really just resolve itself in time. But of course, to get to this point, Sanaya, it's a process. Like I learned from, from other people and, and, all these little things you 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 get little snippets of of lessons from and they become like things you put in a treasure box such that when an when an event actually happens you 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 get something from the treasure box to hang on to just to get through just to get through it so lucy you know the millennial generation so that's you know the generation uh, younger much younger than me they are what i think of when we're you know, when we're talking about the do, 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 the action generation, you mm -hmm. know, the generation that's always trying to go from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And yes. I think the big learning since 2020 was taking things down a notch, taking a step back and sort of processing and thinking. And I love how you said, 
you know, it's about not judging it as good or bad, but simply observing, which is something that a lot of Buddhist monks practice is simply observing the world around them. Yes. And I think that when we can actually observe more, judge less, do less, learn more, then I think it really makes a difference to our lives. And I think it also makes a difference to the people around us. So I love what you have said about that. Yeah. I wanted to add, Sanaya, that it's also perspective because I think uh, the, the new generation, they're under so much pressure because they feel that they're not enough. They feel that they have to compete to constantly be the best. And I always tell my daughter that. I say, I, I never want you to be trapped in this spiral or in this cycle of wanting to be the best, wanting to be the greatest. Because in the, in the grand scheme of things, what does being the best or the greatest mean? When, when in truth, really, for me as a mother, I say my greatest achievement, Juliana, will be to know that you are a, you are a good person. And you nurture your kind heart because my daughter is naturally, I'm not saying that just because I'm her mother, but, you know, but even when she was small, she, she has a naturally kind heart and kindness is so underrated, especially in the here and now. But it is such a, it is such a powerful moving force in the grand scheme of things. And like I said, Sanaya, what, what does it mean to be the best and the greatest really? And then what? We really are only adopt in this in this universe. Not everything is about us or how we feel. I relate completely because I think one of the things that I learned um, in my early years is I was part of the rat race. You know, I was in I was living in New York City. I was living this, uh, you know, the fast life. And um, a couple of years later, I discovered meditation and spirituality. And I started to look at my life in a completely different way. You know, I always thought I was going to be in corporate America. I was going to keep going up the the ladder. And when I started to think about things, I started to ask questions in a very different uh, capacity. It wasn't about, you know, doing well at work. It wasn't about the achievements. It was more about starting to go inside myself and ask some very difficult questions. That's when I actually started to find peace in my life and I started to understand what happiness is yeah so um it doesn't I can, take much it doesn't take much and being the best being the greatest yeah you're right I mean at the end of the day so what you yes. know what's really important and my my husband says this all the time he's like it's really more important to be a good person always more than anything else. And that's what he tells both of our sons, you know, be good, be, be kind, you know, how can you help another person? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something we've lost maybe over time. In the rat race. In the rat race, you know, and I think social media, right? I'm sure you can, you know, you can also attest to the fact that social media for your daughter has probably made things a lot worse for that generation because now we're competing with like a whole bigger uh, pool of individuals from all over the world. You know, we're looking at people on social media and we are starting to question whether we are good enough, if we, we're successful enough, if we've accomplished enough, um, simply because we see things on screens and that, you know, creates that sense of competition sometimes. That's why so- it's important not to live your life for social media content. Like a lot of, 
I mean, I, I never want to have a. I can't. I can't speak for everyone, but personally, I never want to have a an IG feed where everybody knows about every instance of my life every single day. Like a lot of a lot of what it takes to be happy is also keeping some things close to your heart. Like okay, like there are things that are sometimes also too precious to share, and maybe at a later point in life you'd be willing to willing to share that. But there are some things that don't have to be out in social media like you have you can totally have plans beautiful plans that not everybody has to know about right so, so as a sense of a sense of balance always privacy and sharing privacy. yeah i agree with that i think that there's some things that are really for ourselves yes now lucy one of the ways that you coped with the pandemic so i'm going going back to the pandemic since i i noticed that there was a lot of very interesting um, realizations that seemed to come from you during that time. So one of the ways that I noticed you coped with last year was your desire to make everything around you beautiful. Yes. I noticed you had a lot of projects, you know, interior <laughs> <have> so design, many. <laughs> yeah, craft. I mean, you were doing a lot of really beautiful things. Yes. So how did that, is that something you've always used yes. in the past? Yes. To like help you feel more grounded or more in control or deal yes. with uncertainty. And how does that help you? I I did not really consciously know that it was something I did to cope. But I remember a very difficult time in my life. Um, it was a very stressful time. And I ended up drawing. Juliana was very little at this time, at that time. So I ended up drawing chairs, chairs, just I'd sit in the dinner table long after the meal was over and I would draw chairs and then Juliana would color them. In fact, um, we, we did maybe about, I think, 27 chairs and I actually printed them into note cards five years later. And um, I said, what is the significance between this hard time in my life and me drawing chairs and finding comfort in the, in the quiet of of just drawing chairs, and I, I, and I'm, I'm no artist really. So uh, I realized that even when I was little or when I was stressed in school, my my yayas would tell me that when when something was stressful, I'd really go to to my stationery, to working with my hands. It was mm -hmm. always my it was always my my escape or my my way of coping with things. And sometimes when I'm like in the pandemic, it was so easy to worry about so many things. Like I'd wake up and already I'd be worried about many things because it wasn't just keeping the household safe or keeping every member of the family safe from COVID. It's overseeing an entire district. Like there are six municipalities and a city under my area of responsibility. So there's never a day where you don't get phone calls of people in distress for this or this or that. And I said, this can't be my, this can't be my life. I can't wake up every day not knowing what's there and already be anxious about what's coming. So right. every time I'm anxious, Sanaya, I think it's a, it's my way of getting outside, stepping outside of myself and my box of feelings. So I try to do something for others. I, I wrap a gift. That's why I have a gift cabinet. I, I wrap gifts all throughout the year. Every day of the pandemic, there was not one day, I kid you not, there was not one day that I did not write a letter to someone or 
or wrap a present for for some for someone and they don't have to be big things they don't have to be big things but everything i try to thoughtfully present as a as a as a gift because the the medium really is the is the message and i find so much so much joy in 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 doing that i don't know if it's I don't know if it's just me, but yeah, that's that's how I can encapsulate it. It's my way of stepping outside of myself and defocusing my energies from me, 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 what I feel, what I feel, what I fear, what I fear, and doing something nice for something else, for someone else. You know, Lucy, I, I can totally identify with that too, because in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, when everything was shut down, we didn't know how long it was, I decided to write recipes. <laughs> you know, I have all these recipes on loose sheets of paper. Yes. And I remember I bought this beautiful cookbook before I got married. And I said, I'm going to go. I was moving to Manila from Dubai. And um, I thought it would just be really beautiful to start a tradition of recipes. Right. Except I never wrote in the book. And this, <laughs> you know, empty recipe book, so beautiful, was just sitting there. Yes. And at the start of the pandemic, I hand wrote recipes and I like cleaned up everything. I mean, I was doing a lot of like Marie Kondo also, if you're familiar with her work. Yes, I was like yes. organizing my closet. I was yes. doing a lot of this. And you're right. There's something very therapeutic about doing things like cleaning up, organizing, yes. doing things with your hands. I think it's very calming. Yes, And I also think it allows us to focus our energies from the negative of, focus it away from the negative of worry and anxiety and sort of direct it to something that's more productive. Yes. So I think it's a great um, tip actually for our audience that, you know, anytime you feel out of control or you feel uncertain, you feel anxious or worried about something, our brain we'll kind of fixate on that and we will kind of go into it more and we'll think of more ways of how this fear could, could manifest. But if we direct our attention to something else, yes. you know, making your home beautiful or making, you know, drawing something, coloring in, yes. you know, that just sounds so calming and relaxing and meditative, I would say also. I think it's uh, something really that people don't necessarily identify as a coping technique, but it very much is. And I think yes. it's a very useful one because it doesn't cost anything, right? Yes. It's, it's free. You can color and draw and, yes. you know, make craft. And I, I remember doing origami with my children. See? Yeah. You know, right? when, you do, when you use your hands, when you do something with your hands, you are able to control something, at that very moment, in a world and a day that you can't. Yeah. So my world is uncontrollable. There's so many moving parts. My day is crazy. But tonight I'm going to sew and I'm going to make my stitches so good. If I had a home economics teacher, I'd get an A. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And I know that you do a lot of different projects. Like you have yes. a lot of different entrepreneurial projects also yes yes you have a, a brand of uh, gifts can you yes. tell me a little bit more about these different um, projects that you have yes you know truest one of our um, hero brands really was a 
brand born of pain. This happened during Typhoon Yolanda, and I was in the forefront of so many rehabilitation activities, trying to get the community back in its feet. And um, my problem then, although it did not pose as a problem then, was I was getting so much help in terms of livelihood communities, and I worried about sustainability. I said, I don't want my friends to have donor fatigue. Like, if they see me, they say, oh, she's going to need something again for for right. for her district so i said how can i and i it wasn't sustainable also to keep on dipping in our personal funds because that was that was what i was doing when i needed something to happen and i couldn't get an, a government agency to make it happen for me i i tell my i tell my husband who's very understanding i say honey i'm gonna get this much i'm gonna help this livelihood group and um I realized that I had started so many things, like I was teaching women, I was I was organizing communities for women to make them learn how to sew, make jam, make soap. And then I said, I don't want any pity buys. I wanted the products to be so good that it wouldn't be a pity buy because a pity buy is never sustainable. So I said that, after Yolanda, after Typhoon Yolanda, there will be other typhoons that other organizations will be helping. And Typhoon Yolanda victims will not be top of mind anymore. But I need to be able to sustain the communities I started. So Truest became that brand. It's a brand, the income of which I am able to use to fund communities freely. So we've lit villages, we've given them solar lights, we've um, given more women sewing machines. And I don't have to ask, I don't have to ask anymore. I mean, it's not as big as the budget of what companies have for their CSR, but it's enough to keep things going, to keep my dream alive of women not being taken away from their homes to go to a factory like these are women who can actually work at home and their output they can they can sell so that's how true was started you know i think this is really the way of the future i think that you know cottage industries i think sustainability yes. i think this is where we're going to see a lot of change happen for the better i'm familiar with a small um town a small city in india in south india it's uh oh, it's you make the most beautiful embroidery there sanaya and everything's yes. beautiful there so there's a little um there's a little city called pondicherry in south india it's uh it was colonized by the french so it's a little bit different from the rest of the indian cities and um they have like a spiritual community there who did very much this for the entire city. They created cottage industries across the city. And literally everybody who lives there is involved in some kind of arts and crafts or cottage industry. Beautiful. Yes, and that's how they sustain themselves. Because we've had other cities in India where, you know, hunger is a real problem. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's donor fatigue or there's never enough Yes. But I think when you can teach people and you can give them ways to empower themselves, I think that's the difference um, that you make because they learn to respect themselves as well. Yes. Right? It's not like they're getting handouts. They're actually uplifting themselves and their family. 
And this is sort of also connected to the healing work I do. I really believe in empowering people at the individual level because that is where change happens. You know, when a person can feel like they can stand on their own two feet and they can take care of themselves and their families. I mean, that is something that you can't take away from them again. You know, that is something that will allow them to live for the rest of their lives in a way that uh, they can take care of themselves. So I love stories like that. And I love um, people who are big proponents of that. So it's really beautiful what you're doing. Hey, beautiful people. Before we head on to the rest of the episode, I'm sure some of you are wondering how we collab with brands here in Project Loving Myself. And for that, we use Podmetrics. So if you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code Project Loving Myself. That's one word, capital P, capital L, capital M. And in that way, you can help support my show as well. And if you are an advertiser who wants to collab with Project Loving Myself, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Again, that's Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Now, Lucy, you went from an acting career, predominantly being in that sort of field, to going into politics. And as you mentioned, being responsible for so many people, for districts, right? So how was that adjustment for you? And was it something challenging? Was it something that felt natural? What was it like? Well, showbiz and and politics are similar but different. I wasn't really in showbiz. I mean, I, I, I got into showbiz because I married... I ended up marrying somebody from showbiz and that became my first world as a as a as his wife, no? But when I shifted to public service, it was just doing in a much bigger way and having a bigger channel to do what my parents have have taught us to do all along because I grew up in a home where giving back was big. Like my my dad my dad is a planter and more than just making sure that the fields or the the produce was good, he made sure that his people were taken care of. So I grew up in that kind of environment, knowing that we are just channels, really, of of God's blessing and what is given us. We must we must give back. It's it's been that way. So public service has has been that way. And you know, when people ask, why do you have to have an elected position to be able to serve? true if you appreciate that sentiment in a very simplistic way you say yeah i can i can make an impact in my community i can contribute positively to my community just by just by being myself just by helping with what i can but in a private capacity sanaya maybe maybe my family can help our workers our direct community but when you hold an elected position you have access to all the government programs to all the agencies that can help not just a community but entire cities entire municipalities and it is a privilege that i do not take for granted because i do know with every election there is a winner there is a loser and i do know that not everybody who wishes to serve is given the chance to serve 
So with the chance to serve that I have been given, with the mandate that I have been given, I try to make it count. What I have been able to do to the district is my report card. And when I leave this all behind, whenever that will be, when I step out of public service into a more private life, then I hope the constituency I serve will be able to size up everything that I did in the how many years that I serve and say that what I left behind was so much better than what we found. And that will be my, that will be my, my life's work. Your legacy. Yes, yes. Wow. You know, uh, Lucy, I work with a lot, of, um, a lot of people in similar roles like you in public service, and it hasn't always been easy for them. Of course, mm-hmm. there's bureaucracy. You know, there are a lot of challenges. How has the journey been for you thus far? Has it been easy for you to implement what you would like to? Has it been um, a lot of challenge, maybe getting what you want out to the public? How has it been? Okay, it's a, you know how when you describe motherhood, they say it's a happy kind of tired. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's also like that in 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 public service. It's never easy, Sanaya, and maybe maybe because I never knew that I would end up in this position. That has been liberating, also because it's like jumping off the plane and just reading the manual <laughs> as you as you as you parachute down. So I went into this with no expectations, except to know that I must make my time here count without also being so naive to believe that everything will be a bed of roses because it's not. It's, it's difficult on so many levels, um, in so many ways, on different days. And I'm just thankful that, you know, by God's grace, it's never all too much all at once. And it's never constant. Like, like you have a period of stress and a period of rest. It's always, it's like life. It's really, it's really a cycle. And as with life, you learn how to respect the seasons. So like I said, I don't label anything as good or bad. I, I have to be clinical about it sometimes and, and, and look at the problem and say, oh, this is how I need to, to fix it without, you know, involving my feelings. I can't take in my job, I can't take anything personally. <laughs> you have to be above it, but not so detached that you're emotionless about it because I don't think you can do anything well without any heart involved. So then Lucy, how do you handle it? You know, how do you handle sometimes like, for example, when the typhoons come, when you have to deal with so much destruction or challenge and, you know, I mean, these are your people. I mean, I'm sure it hurts you as much as, you know, just to see them in difficulty. You know, I can, I can understand as a mother, like these are your children, right? Yes, yes. And how do you cope with that? Because that in itself is a lot of responsibility and a lot to take on for anybody, yes. you know, with or without. I mean, I know that you, you got, in a way, it's good that you kind of dived into it without any yes. expectations <laughs> or knowing what you were getting into, because I'm sure... That was a lot to, to learn from. Yeah. You know, Sanaya, I have on my desk, I have this coin. And it simply says, one day at a time. And when I feel overwhelmed, I look at that coin and it shifts perspective. I know that I can take things one day at a time. Because now is what we have. I can't worry too much about 
what tomorrow will bring. I can't dwell anymore on the mistakes of yesterday. It's the power of now. I only have I only have now. And what to do knowing you have this much to help and you don't have enough resources one day at a time. If today I have enough to help 10 people, I'll do that. If tomorrow, by some stroke of luck, I have enough to help a whole municipality or 88 barangays, I will do that. So I will take what the day gives me while planning the best for the next day, knowing also that I am just one part of the puzzle and that not everything is up to me. So I'm very realistic about the fact that I am not a magician. I have a master plan, I have a goal, but I'm very realistic about what can and cannot be achieved now or tomorrow. So it's really, again, perspective because your mind can really play tricks on you sometimes you can be paralyzed into not doing anything simply because you only think of everything that needs to be done as an end goal and but that's no, overwhelming that's very that's, overwhelming you know yes. people freeze because you know i can't i can't do this it's too much and yes. when it feels like it's too much you can't move that's when people yes. get stuck or True. you know when they're literally frozen and sometimes that even results in people getting into depression because they just cannot bear the load of what they perceive yes they have to do or accomplish so we go back to the wisdom of of the woman sanaya practical wisdom of a mother of a, of a wife, of a homekeeper, right. in the 20 things that you have to do today, what needs immediate attention this moment? So you cross that off your list. And then you go down, you go down. Whatever you can't finish, you leave for the next day. But at least the most important ones you have done. Your children are fed. You have dinner. You have, you have food on the table for all three meals of the day. The children are have bathed. They're safe. Their assignments are okay. You know, you just... You just address it the way a housewife, a mother, a homekeeper would. You know, that's why I think women make very good leaders. And I think they're very good in public service and politics. And I think, you know, and I've talked about this on the show before, but women are doing really well in positions of leadership during the pandemic. Because, you know, I, I've always said this. It's so much harder to be a woman, a mother, a mother in particular, than it is to go mm -hmm. to work. You know, yes. I, I think it's a lot. That's a huge lesson I learned because I was a working mom. And uh, when I became a, a work-at-home mom, it was a completely <laughs> different ballgame. And I had to learn a lot of tools to do everything better than what I was doing before. And I think that this kind of training that we have as mothers... Yes. makes us not only very compassionate in leadership, but also able to cope with a lot more things and still be able to, to bring that nurturing and sort of yes. compassionate side, I think, that, that motherhood sort of awakens in us. Because mm -hmm. I think, because men are really warriors, Sanaya, right? They're, they're the defenders and the protectors of the fort. But the heart of the home is really the, it's really the mother and the, and the wife. It is the comfort of that home that the warrior comes home to every, every day after, after the grind, right? Yeah, or your children. Yeah. 
Are you familiar, Lucy, with this idea of like the goddess energy, the idea that, you know, in our past, we're talking like centuries ago, it was sort of the, the feminine was the powerful energy. And over time, women lost their power and became more, um, they sort of took a backseat in uh, leadership roles. They they became, you know, the, the ones taking care of the home, which from, from the perspective, the way perspective shifted, it was not as important as the person making the money. Mm-hmm. And that has obviously changed. But in spiritual terms, we say that goddess energy, the rise of the feminine is coming back. Yes. And we're starting to understand how important the female energy is. And not just about being a woman, but even within men, for them to kind of use that right brain, the more intuitive side, that female side, because within us, we have the male and the female. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not only the rise of the feminine in general, with women taking more leadership roles and having more of an impact on society and community, but it is also within sort of the male understanding that there is a feminine and masculine quality within us, the yin and the yang. And uh, if we can tune into that, you know, we can tune into that energy. I think we will see a lot more positive progress, I would say, in the world. So what do you think of that? It's called the goddess energy. It's beautiful. And uh, there's um, there's this quote. Sanaya that I've, I've, I also really um, latch on to. It says, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. So you don't have to be this fierce warrior or somebody who pushes everybody out just to chart your own path. In your own gentle way, by your own acts, little acts of kindness, being compassionate, you can create an impact to make a world a better place starting with your own corner of the world, your own home, your own community. Wow. That's just, you know, I'm getting like uh, goosebumps as we're talking, Lucy, because <laughs> I just feel like it, it's, it's like we're speaking the truth. You know, we're speaking yes. about something that is the direction of the world. Like this mm-hmm. is a matter of time uh, before people start to recognize that. Um, I also I also am amazed with the role you've taken on, you know, in in public service and what you've been able to do yes. for the communities. So, what have you learned, Lucy? Now, looking back at this time in this this amount of time you have spent in public service, mm-hmm. um, what what have you learned from your experiences? How do you think it has shaped you as a person? Yeah. Well, stewardship is very important. Accountability in in any position you take on. But also I know that I know now that pain can be very transformative because a life in public service is is never easy, Sanayan. I don't know if you do do you do yoga? I do. Okay. So I remember my first uh, few yoga sessions, there would be poses that um, and it's very instinctive for, for humans now. Like there would be poses where you you have to you have to touch your toes, and, and if you're not very flexible, that can be really painful when when things are tight here and there, right? But I remember my my yoga instructor, and she says, when there's a difficult pose, instead of tensing up and resisting it, 
you breathe into it. You lean into the pain. You lean into the discomfort. And I find that when I do that, when I practice that in, in real life, not, in, not on the mat, when I practice that in real life, in difficult situations, instead of resisting it, because there are really dark nights of the soul when you go through, like imagine being on a ship and a storm rages on and no matter what you do, you cannot stop the storm. You can only control how you respond to it. So you, you, you breathe, you breathe through the pain, you breathe through the discomfort and get through to the, to the other side. And I find that very, um, very empowering. Um, it's a coping skill that I wish everyone could have. It sounds so, it sounds, um, like a friend of mine said, huh? breathe into breathe into pain why should i why should i welcome pain but it is a it is a fact of life no matter how beautiful how good your life is there will be pain but use that pain for good would you call that lucy the the virtue or the quality of perseverance perseverance that, resilience yeah. also resilience yes yes you know and, and these uh, are things that i think it's not something people really understand because no one teaches us these things, right? Yes. It's yes. only the difficult situations in our life that teach us these kind of traits. Well, my mother, Sanaya, I'll tell you a quick story about my mother. My mother mm -hmm. is all, she's very, she's very religious and she's very spiritual. And for her, every pain is an opportunity to alleviate somebody else's discomfort or somebody else's pain. So growing up, my daughter, when she was maybe three or four years old, everything she didn't want to do, and I grew up the same way, huh? if I didn't want to do anything, my mom would say, no, 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 do that, offer it for the souls in purgatory. So I, I got used to that. But my with my daughter, Lola, I don't want to do this. No, 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 Juliana, do that for the souls in purgatory. For many years, that's what she heard. One day, she didn't want to go to this birthday party because she wanted to stay with her with her friends who were at home. And my mom says, no, Juliana, you have to go to that birthday party because you had already said yes, and the birthday celebrant must have prepared. So you have to go. And Juliana says, but I don't want to go, Lola. And she says, no, you have to go and just offer your your pain, your heartache for, <laughs> for the souls in purgatory. And my daughter storms into the room. She's maybe four or five years old. And she says, mama. How are we related to the souls in purgatory? Why must I suffer for them all the time? <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but you know, she makes a good point. Your daughter makes a good point. At the end of the day, I think the key point you made, Lucy, is pain is transformative. Yes. Not that we must suffer and be in pain, for the sake of others. But how do we take that pain and turn it into something positive? Turning it into something that may motivate and drive us Correct. in a in a better way, you know, to yes. give back, to be a service. So yes. I think that's one thing that the younger generation is doing a little bit differently than the older generation, which is we don't need to kind of torture ourselves or put ourselves in painful situations. But yes, we can take the pain of others and we can transform it with our love and our light and find ways to give back as you are doing so. 
Yes. Do you agree with that? Would you say that that would be a little bit more of a positive spin on it? Yes. Um, it's also um, what we call in Centering Prayer, like the divine economy of grace. Like how every bad thing, every even even the worst thing that happened to you can be used for some good. And acknowledging that and, and, and knowing that and seeing that. You know, like you, you have to transcend the pain. I think, I think it's that, Sanaya, transcending, transcending the pain and appreciating it for the lessons it will teach you. Maybe not now when you're in so much pain, but eventually you, you make friends with it. You don't judge it. You, you take the lessons from it. And then it ceases to be pain, right? The minute we take the lessons from it. Yes. It's no longer pain, but it was part of the journey we had to take to yes. get to where we got to at the end. Yes, and you respect everybody's journey. Like it's 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 not right, um, or it's not very sensitive when you when you are with somebody who is in tears or in total distress or depressed, and you just say, oh, "No, don't don't feel that way," because feelings are valid. You know, tears are beautiful. You don't just brush off their pain because where they are, you have to you have to learn how to meet people where they're at, not where you're at. Because when you're happy and you meet somebody who's in a dark place, you have a tendency to say, No, you know, let's just go out. Let's you forget about that. That's nothing. Maybe it's nothing for us, but to them it's something. And at the most, you don't say it's nothing. You say, Let's forget about it for three hours. Let's have a good meal. Let's talk about it and forget about the pain for three hours. And then after three hours, I give you permission to go back and feel the pain. Because you have to go through it. If you suppress it, if you suppress it, it will resurface at some, at some other point in your life. So might as well deal with it. First of all, I love what you said. You said, Lucy, you have to meet people where they are and not at. where you are. Yes. Where they are at and not where you're coming yes. from. And that's compassion. Yes. Yes. That's compassion. Mm -hmm. Right. And the second thing that um, occurred to me as you were as you were speaking was we do that from the time our kids are young, right? They fall and they hurt themselves. And many people say things to children like, Oh, don't cry. It's okay, you know, nothing happened. You're strong. Yes. You know, and from the time we are children, we're conditioned not to acknowledge the pain because nobody wants us to cry, mm -hmm. right? And more so for like little boys, right? Who are taught that, oh no, you don't need to cry. You're strong, you know? Yes. And I, I remember a friend of mine related the story of how her, her, she has twin boys and one of her boys fell and got really hurt and he started to cry. And the grandparents you know, obviously they, they want their grandson to be okay and not to cry. And they said, no, 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 don't cry. You know, you're strong. You're a boy. You don't need to cry. And this kid was crying. And then he felt embarrassed that mm -hmm. he's like that a he big boy mm -hmm. and he was crying. And my friend said that she, she interrupted and she said, no, you should cry. If it hurts, cry, feel the pain. But yes. when you're done, then we can move on from it. You know, and Correct. I think nobody maybe told us that it was okay to feel our pain and feel our grief and process all of this. 
And I think it has created a culture of perhaps burying trauma, burying pain, you know, hiding it under the rug, uh, pretending that we're not going through something. And I think that some someday Pandora's box opens. Yes, at the worst all time these, of your life. Yes, exactly. And all these emotions come up, and we don't know where they're coming from. Yes, but it's all those years of hiding from the pain, of you know pretending it doesn't exist, or you know just sort of shrugging our shoulders. Okay, you know we're not processing it. So I think that. That's something very important also for us to consider. Um, you said breathe through the pain. Lean you know? into the pain. Lean mm. into the pain. And, you know, I, I think my yoga teacher used to say that too. So, yeah, you know, that that sounds like something I've heard in my mind and, and something I can identify with that we can breathe through it. We can lean through it. We can yes. process it. Yes, because it's there already. You cannot make it go away. You cannot control everything that happens to you, but you have full control of how you respond to it. So mindfulness is very important, knowing, knowing your skill sets, knowing what your strengths are. Now, Lucy, see, I started this podcast saying I knew this conversation was going to have so much insight. But where is this wisdom coming from? Where are you getting this from? Because, you know, I feel like I'm talking to a well-being coach like myself, <laughs> you know, you're, you're saying things that I teach. Um, where are you getting all of know. this from, you know, I, like, is, I it don't your know, religion? Where, is I this think, what you have learned? Where is this coming from? I, I, I also don't have the, the answer to that, Sanaya, but I grew up in a home where we were really taught that not everything is up to me. Not everything is up to my mom. Not everything is up to my, my, my dad. And, and how wonderful that it is that way because there is somebody greater and bigger than myself. You, you know how wonderful that is, Sanaya, to have somebody to, to, have somebody to, to run to? And for me, that's, that's, my, that's my faith. No, that's, that's God. I, I was led to believe that there was nothing that I could not pray about. There was nothing I could not um, pray for. And it's very, um, it's comforting on the, on the darkest of nights and the hardest of days. That is a very comforting thought to have, knowing that there is God and he is in control and that he is all and, and is in all. So that's where, that's where I, that's where I gain my, my, my strength from. And, um, in terms of where I get all these insights, it's it's really just life, Sanaya. It's 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 life. It's being a mother. It's being a wife. It's it's growing up, and maybe it's just having having time to sift through feelings and experiences and and piecing them together and knowing that we are a sum of it all. Like when you enter a marriage. You don't just enter as yourself. You bring with you, you bring with you your, your your past. You bring with you your how, the home you grew up in. What was it like in your home? So, it's knowing that you're never this lone ranger. That everything you do affects everybody else in the same way that growing up, everything they did affected you. 
indirectly, directly. Wow. Now, first of all, I think the way you've put it is really beautiful, that it starts with your faith, knowing mm -hmm. that there is a God, a creator, there is a source energy um, that you can always have trust and faith in. But has that ever faltered, Lucy? Have you been through any, like you mentioned, the dark night of the soul? Or have you been yes. through challenges in your life where it has been particularly difficult? I wouldn't say to that keep. it to keep the faith. Yeah. There are moments when you're angry. There are moments when you don't understand because you feel that, hey, I've been... I've been honest, I've been, I've been proper, and yet this happened, this person did this to me. And, and then you go back again to knowing the value of that faith, that it's not a quick fix. It's not, a, it's not like, a, like a magic potion that if you have God in your life or if that you know how to pray, that you'll never go through difficult times. It's not true. It's just knowing that even as you go through those dark times, you have a healthy perspective of things. You know that it will end. I don't know how good your Tagalog is, Sanaya, but in Tagalog, not, they say... Not, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in Tagalog, uh, every, every difficult thing, or maybe Nikai, Nikai can... can can clue you in on this, but they say may pinagdadaanan. May pinagdadaanan. May pinagdadaanan means going through something. And we have to remember that every dark spot, every rough patch in your life is pinagdadaanan mo. You're going through that, meaning you don't stay there forever. And it's knowing that even for the person who's depressed for 10 years, she doesn't know when her depression will end, but every day that She's able to put one foot in front of the other. It's one day closer to redemption, one day closer to freedom day. That's why I, it's called my pinagdadaanan because you just go through it. You don't, you don't stay there. I remember one of my guests on the podcast, she said, you know, every dark moment ends. Yes. You get to the end of it eventually. Yes. yes. You know, and you just have to have that patience, the perseverance, the uh, resilience mm -hmm. to kind of get through it. And a healthy attitude, Sanaya, because sometimes you go through it just physically, but emotionally and mentally, you're, you're in pieces. You just go through it, but you're, you're battered, you're wounded, and you're, you're just a shadow of your former self. So it's very important to go through things in a healthy way. I mean, as healthy as can be expected. So how do, how do you, Lucy, manage to get through things in a healthy way? Like, what do you do to manage your well-being in the most challenging or difficult of times or situations? Self-love, self-care, the power of being able to say no. Because for a time, Sanaya, I was always a yes girl. Even if I was spreading myself too thin, I did not have the time or the energy to do everything. I was so scared of saying no to people. I didn't want to disappoint. But then I was depleting. I was depleting my, my energies. And I realized that I could, not, I could not operate from an empty cup. I had to 
fill my cup, then I will then it will overflow and I have much to give. So tangibly I have all these. I have my qigong, I have my yoga. I when it's a horrid day, Sanaya, I go up and I listen to singing bowls. <laughs> uh reset, reset. Yeah, and 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 people say no, but uh, we can't go on a vacation now. We can't we can't leave. There's a pandemic, and for me, pockets of comfort can be had in the in the contents of one day. You don't have to go too far. Just go to a quiet corner. Just be still. Be still. Fifteen minutes. Just say fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. I will recharge. Sometimes a good shower, like for me, it really helps. Sanaya. Um, a good shower is like rubbing off the, the the stress of the day. Like I feel like a new person putting on lipstick even when it's just my pet pig Hamlet who sees me when I go down. Or even if it's just the chickens, nobody has to see. It's like wearing nice underwear. You do it for yourself. Even if nobody has nobody else has to see it, you do it, you do things for your for yourself. Little things that um, remind you to be kind to self. I, I get it completely, you know, because, um, Lucy, I run meditations uh, usually on Mondays um, in the evening. And sometimes my husband comes home and he sees he sees me like going for a shower and it's almost like 9 p.m. because the meditation's <laughs> at like 9. So I'm just kind of jumping in for the shower because, you know, I eat dinner with the kids, get them to yes. bed. And so the evening runs away from me. But, you know, I'm close to the time of my meditation and I... I go and jump in for the shower and he looks at me and he's like, how come you're showering now? You know, why do you need to go? Did you already shower? And I'm like, no, I have to wash the day off of me. Yes. Before I go and lead this meditation for others and even for me, I got to wash that day off. Yes. Or, you know, if I'm just feeling kind of a little bit like there's too much going on, or um, I feel overwhelmed, I take a shower because mm -hmm. water is actually, it's one of my personal elements. We all have an element that's close yes. to us. You know, for people it's gardening, so it's earth. Yes. For me, it's water. And um, water is just very cleansing. And it is. I, I come out of the shower just feeling fresh and like my energy's back up. And so <sighs> I think we all through a process of self-love can find the things that do it for us. You know, like sometimes putting on a little bit of lipstick and yes. you just don't look so pale in the mirror with <laughs> a bit of lipstick. Right. And that does it. And we each have these little things we can do. I mean, it doesn't really take too much to take a shower or put on a bit of lipstick or even put on a nice dress. Just right? something to but look forward to that gives you pleasure. Correct. And I think that's something we must all remember to do, especially women, you know, especially women, because I feel women more than men. Although if my husband's listening to this, he's probably <laughs> going to be like, that's not true. I multitask more than you do. But I do think women, we multitask a lot. And I think that it's really important to ground and to kind of find those little things. And this is self-love. It's those little things in which we can love ourselves a little bit more than we do. Yes, yes, yes. We must, I love that. We must do that. We must. It's a matter of 
survival. It's a matter of sanity, especially yes. given how crazy the, the times are. Take care of yourself first, then you can take care of so many more in your life. Yes. I love to give the example of, you know, when you get on an airplane, um, I know it's like a distant memory for many of us yeah. <laughs> getting on an airplane, <laughs> but uh, you know how they always say, you know, strap yourself in first with the seatbelt yes. before doing it for your child. Because if you are in an emergency situation and you have not taken care of yourself, if you haven't secured yourself, you're of no help to your child, much yes. less to anybody else. So it's the same thing you said about, you know, your cup being, if your cup is empty, you have nothing to give. Yes. Yes. So absolutely. You cannot run empty. You have to recharge. Absolutely. And recharging is not a, it's not a, it doesn't have a timeline, Sanaya. It's not like two weeks I'll recharge and then come back and work for a year. No, recharging should be done at different points in every day. That's why we sleep every day. That's why we brush our teeth every day or take a shower. Yeah. You do it in small, regular doses daily. Lifestyle. It should be yes. a lifestyle, right? It should be a lifestyle. So Lucy, what are your ways of Recharging. How do you recharge? Because I know you mentioned um, just in our conversation, Qigong, uh, yes. sound bowls. And before we Yoga. started the podcast, you also mentioned TCM, uh, Chinese yes. medicine. So yes. tell me a little bit more about your interest in uh, alternative or in um, energy work. Tell me about what you've been doing or what, you, what methods you use for, for recharging. Well, I, it was very, um, I remember when I got into um, essential oils and um, they say it's like the essential oils because it comes from plants and herbs. It's like God's gift in little bottles. And I remember reading in the Bible before that everything we need to heal the body or cure any or feel good or cure anything, God already provided in nature. And maybe because I had a homemade and handmade kind of life, I remember we had the ayas who would bathe us in water steeped in guava leaves. Wow. So that we would never have wounds because we would play outside the whole day and we'd get mosquito bites or sometimes we'd scrape our knees. And uh, my mom was never one to use just too many ointments right away. And we had all these yayas with all their traditional remedies. So that was a nightly thing, bathing in... Um, in water steeped in guava leaves. And I remember I had another yaya, si Lola Apiang, when we would have fever, she would come to the house. She was the yaya of my dad. And she became our really, really old yaya when she would visit. She became part of the family, really. And um, Lola Apiang, when any of the grandchildren of Lola would get sick, we'd wake up covered in sweat because she had, she had put on our back some leaf, I don't know what leaves those were. She she's since passed, so I I never got to ask her. But it would always be leaves and stampitas, you know, like the pictures of the favorite saints. So it's it's prayers and it's it's prayer it's faith and and traditional medicine. And for cough or colds, it was never cough syrup. It was always honey with with lemon. But along the way because of the fast life, of the busy life, we forgot. And it was always something from the drugstore. And I didn't want that for myself. So about five years ago, I made a mindful shift, slowly but very um, 
very regularly, consistently. Slowly but surely, I made a shift into a more natural way of of living, like knowing that more than the creams I put on my face, it was important what I was what I was eating. Like I couldn't be eating spam or 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 cup noodles. It had to be healthy healthy food. So the physical body is just a manifestation of your of your inner inner health and inner environment, really. So it started there, and then I did qigong because I'm not one of those sanaya who can do those intensive workouts, those mga hit workouts. That's that's not for me. I'm more the yin type of of um, activities. That's why I like yoga. I like um, I like qigong. I like the the tapping. I like massages. And uh, we were taught in. Um, in traditional or in natural medicine that we shouldn't be doing anything that doesn't give you pleasure. So if yes. doing intensive exercises give you pleasure, then that's good. That's, that's, that's your thing. But for those who don't like that, it just won't be sustainable. Agreed. You know, I, uh, I love Qigong. I think that's oh, you just, do? 12 yeah. years. <laughs> you know, I haven't, um, I, I haven't been able to take enough classes in it to really become someone who practices it regularly. But at my healing center in Dubai, we used to have a really amazing Qigong teacher. And um, I, I just felt like I could see how much it helped people um, energetically, give them strength, power. And it's such a gentle Yes, way of also, I would say, communing with um, with the world around us. Um, very beautiful. Now, what would you say, Lucy, is your thoughts about self love today? Given your journey, where where do you fall now with self love? with well-being like what what would you say to our listeners today about your own experience mm-hmm. and how that has helped you in your life i think i would want the listeners to know that you are enough and that there is no mad race because the sun the sun shines for everyone there is enough sunshine for everyone so you do not have to step on people, be mean to people just to get ahead. Because we each have our own gifts. And if we just nurture those gifts, then we can be a good contributor to society in whatever capacity, whether it's a, you're a private individual or you're, a, you're in an elected position. But you are enough. You have enough gifts to shine. No need, no need to get ahead there is no race there is no race there is no such thing as having to be the greatest there will always be somebody greater than you you know that statement you said you are enough i mean for many people they'll hear it and they'll say okay yes i am enough but i don't know if if or I want to suggest to people to maybe take a moment to really understand what you are enough means. It means that there is no lack. And it is the place, when we're in that place of lack, that's when it's competition, 
when it's the rat race, it's the feeling of being deprived or not having enough, not being enough, not being worthy, like that lack, which is sort of the opposite of you are enough, is what drives most people and they get stuck. Yes, because there is a tendency to look at somebody and say, I wish I had his talent. But it shouldn't be that way because we we all do what we can in God's garden. We each have different gifts. And uh, we are parts of one body. We cannot have the same gifts, the same skill sets. So know what your gifts are. Know that they have been given to you by your creator for a reason and a purpose. And use that. That's why when people say, what do you dream for your, for your daughter? Do you want her to be an actress? Do you want her to be an athlete? Do you want her to be a public servant? And I say, no. I only want what God designed her to be, whatever that is, because that is the only way you can have a beautiful life. When you know why you were born in this world in the first place. So when purpose. you find, yes, when you find your purpose, that is enough. You are enough. And I think that's when you know you found your purpose, Lucy, is when you no longer feel like I need to do this, I need to do that, or, yes. you know, I, I'm not far enough, I'm not there yet. So that angst tells yes. you that you're not in your purpose. Because yes. I think when you are in your purpose and you found it or you're kind of walking that path, you don't even need to have all the answers. But I think when you're there, there's no stress, there's no anxiety. There's no comparison. There's no competition. Yes. There's peace. I am exactly where I need to be. Peace. There is peace. There is joy. Uh, in Centering Prayer, Sanaya, it says where you are is exactly where you're meant to be at any given moment. At any given moment. No matter the content of the moment, difficult or not. So you can say, oh, that was a bad, that was a bad, that was a bad place. No such thing. Maybe you don't see the purpose now because you, you only see this much. But there is all there. There is always a a a bigger picture. It's like writing on a blackboard, and you only see the area that's right in front of you. But people at the back can see the whole the whole board. So life life is like that. It's knowing that what you see is not everything. How you feel is not everything. So put yourself. Put yourself in place. And I think also connected to that is the, uh, the understanding that when we zoom out of this situation, we see the bigger picture, the perspective already shifts. Yes, yes. It's very important to be mindful of always the bigger picture, to be mindful and respectful of time because things take time, to be respectful of the seasons of life. So when you go through a dark patch or a rough patch, respect that. I'm going through a rough patch now, but this won't be forever. And then when you're going through the happy, the bright, the bright days, then you celebrate those days. That's where you recharge again in preparation for the not so good days. So it's really, it's really like this in this imperfect but beautiful life. I agree. You know, Lucy, this has been such a beautiful conversation. It's uh, really like a, a feel-good episode, I would imagine, for everyone listening. And so many 
very, very important and powerful insights that you have shared on the show. And I'm, I'm truly grateful, Lucy, for your time, for your openness to talk about these things. Yes, and, thank, um, you for, thank you for reaching out to me. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to connect on Instagram. <laughs> yes, and really I have to... Um, I really have to show you my appreciation and gratitude for being with us here on the show today. Now, before we go, Lucy, if you don't mind um, sharing your socials, if anybody wants to get in touch, uh, how do they follow you? Um, if there's anything you'd like to share or any last words for our listeners today. Well, I'm uh, for those who want to want to follow. I'm on Instagram um, at Lucy T Gomez, and you know that's another thing, Sanaya. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Facebook or other or Twitter. I don't. It's really just it's really just Instagram, and I choose to keep my page um, just this feel good positive page, like going through an album, and I do it more for myself, really for my sunset years. It's like a diary because I don't have time to keep a diary anymore. So, yes. yeah, there. Um, if there's anything I'd want to leave the listeners with, it's really just to be mindful of your power to transcend any pain by having full control of how you respond to situations. Like I said, there are so many moving parts. You cannot always control what life gives you, but you can always control or you have full, full control over how you respond. That is your power. Amazing. Wow, guys. I just loved her energy. It was just so calming, so beautiful, and yet so powerful. It was kind of like a, a hidden grace in the way she was speaking. And I really felt like there was so much wisdom in what she had to say. I think that there's so much within all of us that if we only discovered, you know, we hold the keys to our life. We hold the keys to our own world. And I think that deep down inside, we all know the truth about this world, this life experience. We just kind of have to dig deep and through, you know, as Lucy mentioned, introspection, thinking about things. Perhaps we can really tune into that wisdom that is in within each and every one of us. How did you feel about this episode with Lucy? Do post on Facebook and Insta stories and don't forget to tag at Project Loving Myself Podcast and tag me too at Sanaya Gurnamal. Now, our Project Loving Myself quote for this week is, it's the little things that make life big. Keep telling yourself you are loved every day of your life. Remember that we don't have to be the best, the greatest, number one. We just have to do what's right for us. And we have to remember what we're here for, what our purpose is. And we have to realize that we have our own talents. And every little thing we do makes our life so much bigger. Thank you for tuning in to the Project Loving Myself podcast with me, your host, Sanaya Gurnamal. Brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 